impossible to become possible. And there is nothing impossible with our God. We're going to be teaching just some very basic things about prayer. But anytime you teach the word of God, it's not basic and it's not boring. The word of God is exciting. Amen. As a matter of fact, if you have your Bible, I want you to hold it up and say, this is my Bible. I'm going to hear what's taught tonight. And I'm going to act on it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me just start out by giving you a few uh, statements about prayer. I love this. Prayer is the privilege and prayer is the responsibility of every believer. Prayer is not trying to talk God in the notion of doing something, but prayer is responding to what he's already done. God has already made a way for us to have answers to every single one of our prayers. We don't have to beg him. We don't have to plead him. All we have to do is remind him of what his word says. Ask and you shall receive and it shall be given unto you. Amen. One of the reasons that Christians do not pray is because in many circles, it's like the church has made it very difficult for people to understand prayer. And it's like they elevate these people up as the prayers and that it's something that only a few can attain to. And it's a special calling and it's a special anointing. Well, there are people that are especially anointed to dedicate their lives in prayer. But folks, every one of us as believers are anointed to pray. It is the right, it is the privilege of every single Christian to be able to communicate with God. And that is the most basic and simple definition of prayer is just heartfelt communion with our Father. How many of you love Jesus? Oh, then I'm telling you, then the avenue has been opened up for you to be able to pray. We just communicate with the Father out of our heart. It's vital personal contact with Him. Just look at this, this way. When we pray, it's an opportunity for us to have a one-on-one audience with the creator of the universe. Isn't that amazing? So we get to come boldly to the throne room of grace because of the blood of Jesus. If you are born again, then you have the right, you have the privilege because of the work of salvation, because of the cross, because of the blood to have entrance, to have access into the throne room of grace. And even though there's many various, various kinds of prayer, like Pastor mentioned a few of them, every single prayer is to be prayed based upon the word of God. And every prayer is to be prayed in faith. If you study the word of God, you'll notice that there's not such a thing as a prayer of doubt and unbelief. <laughs> There's not one of those kind of prayers. There's not such a prayer as complaining and whining and griping. No. Prayer is our communion, our heartfelt communion with the Father. But it is literally us lifting up His promises to Him. Any kind of prayer that we pray, really this is how it works. Prayer comes from the heart of God. And what He does is He drops 
prayer into the hearts of men and women. And then we have the privilege to speak it out into earth. And then he brings it to pass. So literally every prayer, it begins and ends with the father. He said, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So when you're communing with him, he will put things on the inside of you that need to be spoken out concerning your life, concerning your, this church, concerning our nation, concerning the affairs of the world. That's all prayer is, is speaking out what he puts in your heart and of course in line with the word of God. Prayer is an avenue that God has provided to unleash his love, his compassion, and his power into the earth. And we get to be that avenue. Isn't that exciting? We ought to be more thrilled that we get to pray. It's a privilege. It's an honor. Hallelujah. And God has ordained for our prayer life to be exciting, to be effective, and to be productive. And it will be when we do it according to his design. So tonight... The prayer that we are going to talk about and we're going to see the design from the word of God is united prayer. Now, listen, just the word unity means this. The state of being one or united oneness, singleness, the quality of being one in spirit or sentiment. The Bible calls not very many things precious, but one thing that the Bible says is precious, and that is unity. When believers come together in one accord, it is considered precious in the sight of God. Let's look over at Psalms 133. We're just going to talk for a few minutes here about unity, and then we'll see some examples of praying this kind of prayer. Psalms 133 verse 1, we'll be looking in the King James. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. God said it's good and it's pleasant for people to dwell together in unity. Brethren, his people, it is like the precious ointment upon the beard that ran down upon the head that ran down upon the beard even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion for there the Lord commanded the blessing even life forevermore he said unity is so precious it's like an anoint it's like an ointment Have any of you ladies, I suppose you men too, but have you ever had a really special perfume or cologne that it was expensive and it was precious and you only had to put a little dot on because it was so good? Well, this is even better than that. God said it's a precious ointment to get people in unity. And why is that? Because if we get in unity, there is power that is released. The Bible says one will put a thousand to flight, but two, ten thousand to flight. Look around the room in here tonight. We've got 
probably 200, close to 200 folks. I don't know. I'm not counting in my head, but it's a lot of people in here. So that's wonderful. And when we get in agreement, when we get into unity, God not only says it's precious, but it's powerful. God wants us to get to that point where when we pray, we're on the same page. That's what united prayer is. We're praying about the same thing. Now, there has to be order. There has to be a leader. The pastor or whoever he appoints to pray about a certain area is the leader. The appointed prayer is up there praying about a specific direction. We need to listen to what they're praying about. And we need to come into agreement with that. In a united prayer group, it's not where you're praying about a hundred different things. There's different kinds of prayer meetings. There's different purposes. But in a united prayer meeting, there's a leader up there and we're following the instruction and we're following the, the direction and we're coming together and saying, I agree with that. It can't be, you know, there's sometimes there's prayer meetings where Aunt Susie's over here praying about Uncle Joe and she's getting louder and louder and louder. Some mama's over here praying about her rebellious kids and she's starting to list all the horrible, bad things that they're doing. Then you got some wife over here praying about her husband that he's unsaved and all of it does is no longer a prayer. It turns into a griping and a complaining and that old geezer kind of confession deal starting to roll out of her. That's not prayer of agreement and that's not united prayer. Some of you old timers that have been around for many years might remember Sister Mabel. She's been in heaven for a long time, but she told us a great illustration along these lines that people getting together to pray. We'll look at it a little bit later, but there's a difference in just getting together and assembling together. But this group of people were praying. And in this prayer meeting, this one lady, she was over in the corner and she just kept getting louder and louder. Oh Lord, my baby needs shoes. Oh Lord, you know, I don't got the money to buy my baby shoes. Oh Lord, Jesus, help us. She needs shoes and getting louder and louder. Lord, Lord, send us shoes. Just disturbing everybody else's prayers so loud. And so after a while, some lady's getting tired of hearing this. And across the room, she yells out, what number do she wear? I'll go buy your baby some shoes if you'll just shut up already. That's not what we're supposed to do in a prayer meeting. We're not supposed to come in there with our list of needs. And say, hmm, now let me see here. Pastor Nancy, she's just full of compassion. So I'm going to get real close to her and I'm going to, Lord Jesus. <laughs> you know I can't make my car payment. Lord Jesus, you know I need groceries. And just get closer and closer. Lord Jesus. No. <laughs> Pastor Nancy's not the Lord. She loves you. But when we come together and pray, we're calling on the name of the Lord. He's our source. He is our supply. Amen. (laughs) So let's just remember that, that there's a time and there's a place where we'll pray about our individual needs. But in a united prayer, we're praying on a bigger scope about needs that can pertain to various groups of people. Amen. So I think we're clear on that. So now we want to look over in the book of Acts at some incidents of united prayer. The church 
was birth in unity. And throughout the book of Acts, powerful things happened as a result of united prayer. Pastor read it last week and we won't go through the whole account, but just on in Acts chapter 2, the day that the Holy Spirit was poured out, the day referred to as the day of Pentecost, when the 120 had been in that upper room waiting upon the Lord, seeking the Lord. You can see it there in Acts chapter 2, and I could see it if I was over there, but verse 1 of Acts chapter 2, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Folks, that's biblical unity. Listen to what the word accord means. The word accord means to make a symphony or to harmonize. To make a symphony or to harmonize. Now, I'm sure some of you have had this experience as well as I have to go to a elementary school play or performance. And their little band or their little orchestra gets up there to perform. And you love them. Maybe your kids are even in it. And you're there to support them. But it is not in one accord many times. It is not harmonizing and it is not a symphony. You might got little Johnny over here and he's playing his little flute in a completely different key. You could have little Susie over here and she's playing a completely different song. There's no harmony and there's no symphony in that. And so we know that in the realm of the spirit, it can be like that too. It can sound like a bunch of noise and a lot of people off key if we don't get our hearts knit together and get in the spirit on what we're praying about. And that's what God wants us to do. But on the other hand, when we get in one accord, like they did here in Acts chapter 2, What kind of results happened? They got in one accord and the power, the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they were endued. They were filled from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet with the Holy Ghost fire. So we can see what happens when we do get in accord. The best way to say it is when we strike that note. In the spirit, there's a chord of unity. There's a sound in the realm of the spirit. When we get on the same page, when we get to that place where we are harmonizing in the spirit and we are just so in, in the brose bakata, I can't say it anymore in English, but I think you get what I'm saying. There's that place where we are harmonizing and we're hitting that chord as we're praying in the Holy Ghost. You know, that happened. Not only did it happen here in the book of Acts, but I want you to flip over. We got time to Second Chronicles chapter 5. Because this is a good illustration of power and unity. Second Chronicles chapter 5. We'll look at it in the King James again. Verse 13 and 14. Hallelujah. We're believing tonight, you know, I'm teaching very basic things from the word of God, but we are believing that not only are we going to hear things that are taught, but we're going to catch what is taught. 
prayer, the spirit of prayer isn't even so much taught. We have to teach the principles of prayer, but we can catch some things even in the realm of the spirit. So I want all of you to have your catchers out there tonight and say, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to grow in prayer. I'm going to grow in being able to offer my supply when we come together as a body and pray over needs. Amen. So here in Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13 and 14, is just a beautiful illustration of what it means to get in harmony and unity. It came even to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice, that's what I want to highlight tonight, their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praise the Lord saying, for he is good for his mercy endureth forever that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Here we have a picture that these folks got into such harmony that as they lifted up their voice, yes, they were praising the Lord, but as they lifted up their voice, it said it sounded like a voice, their voice, not voice us. God heard something in the realm of the spirit that caught his ear. He said, you hear that? They've hit that chord. They've hit that place of such agreement that it doesn't sound like thousands of voices or hundreds of voices. It sounds like one thundering voice of praise. And we can do that when we pray. One thundering voice of prayer that comes up to the throne room of grace. And as it was on that day, the glory of the Lord filled the temple because of that sound and that place that they reached in the realm of the spirit. And I submit to you tonight that the same thing can happen when we gather together to pray. And I've seen it happen. I've experienced it where we've been in prayer meetings. We've had some tremendous times. We have great times on ladies prayer on Wednesday and different times that we've come together to pray even in this church that the glory of the Lord shows up. Why is that? He shows up where he's invited. He shows up where he is expected to come. And he shows up where there is a preparation of the hearts. And there is unity. And there is no strife. And there's no division. And there's no backbiting. And all that garbage. We don't have that here. Hallelujah. So when we pray tonight, we're expecting God to show him self strong. Amen. Amen. Now that was just a, wasn't really a side journey. That was a good one, but let's go over to Acts chapter two, back over there. And we want to just kind of track this out in the book of Acts. So here there's been this wonderful outpouring. They've been filled with the Holy ghost. They're so full of the spirit. They stumble out into the streets. 
Peter stands up and begins to preach. And the Bible tells us that on that day when he preached, there were 3,000 people that responded to the words that he spoke. Why? Because he was speaking under the unction and the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the birth of the church age right here in Acts chapter 2. So they'd had... This wonderful day that had occurred. And then we follow it on over into Acts chapter 3. In Acts chapter 3 is the account where Peter and John, they're heading over to the temple. And as they're heading to the temple, there's a lame man laid at the gate called Beautiful. And you know the story. The lame man reaches out to them and he says, give me some silver. Give me some gold. And they said, silver and gold, we don't have. And I don't even, I don't know that that's really that they didn't have it, but they had something better. But such as we have, give thee unto you. What did they have? They had power. They had the name of Jesus. So they reach out their hand, stretch forth their hand, touch the man. He rose up immediately, healed and whole, walking and leaping and praising God. Amen. So we've had a beautiful thing that has happened in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 3, this miraculous miracle had taken place at the gate right in front of the temple. You think the city would have been glad. You think people would have been happy. Well, the people were happy, but the religious leaders weren't. Now, isn't that awful? The people that are supposed to know God the best got all riled up. Who do they think they are praying for the sick? What really riled them up is Peter and John were out preaching the gospel. And one of the main things that they were preaching was the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were getting in their face and saying, you know, you crucified him, but he is risen and we're serving him. And so they started preaching about the resurrection. They started preaching about repentance. They were getting people healed. The religious devils got stirred up. And so we see, now let's look over at Acts chapter 4. Just a little side thought here. So if you're out preaching the gospel and you're laying hands on the sick and they're getting healed, which they will, if you act on the word of God and do it in faith, they will. Don't get all sad and forlorn if somebody says you shouldn't be doing that or persecuting you. You know what I'm saying? Of course, you've got to, if you're on your job, work on your job. But I'm talking about when you're out in the marketplace. Don't be moved by what some religious person says you can't do. If you're acting on the word of God, just go for it. Amen. So anyhow, here in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John continued to preach. And all the Sadducees continued to get mad. You know why the Sadducees are sad, you see? Because they don't see. They're sad because they don't see who Jesus is. Anyhow... Verse 3. I don't think I had that right, but it's kind of good anyway. A new twist. Okay. (laughs) That's my translation. That's my version of why they're sad. Anyway, verse 3 of Acts chapter 4. And when they laid hands on them and put them in hold, and they laid hands on them and put them in hold. That's prison. They put him in jail until the next day, for it was now eventide. Then then look on down here at verse 4. Howbeit, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of men was about 5,000. 
So in Acts chapter 2, there were 3,000 that had gotten saved. And that wasn't very far apart. Now over here, just two chapters later, in Acts chapter 4, there's 5,000 that have gotten saved. And so these religious leaders, they think, what are we going to do? How are we going to stop this move of God? When something is God, man can't stop it. You can't legislate God out. You can't make rules and say you can't preach the gospel in this country and keep God out. Hallelujah. They couldn't stop this mighty move of God. And so the the count tells us what they did. They threatened them. They said, oh man, they tried to blame them for this, tried to accuse them of that. But because of the people, because of all the converts, because of all the good things that had already happened, because the lame man, that he wasn't lame anymore, he was standing right there next to him. So they're trying to make all of these accusations. And the crowd is gathering around saying, yeah, but I got saved. Yeah, but I got healed. And so they had to back off. You know, the devil is the accuser of the brethren and he tries to bring lies against you. He'll try to bring accusations against you. But I love it here. Peter and John, they were like Teflon Christians. It wasn't sticking. Hallelujah. Those accusations wouldn't stick. You know what a Teflon Christian is? Slides right off of you. Hallelujah. If you're living upright, if you're walking before the Lord, if you're acting on the word of God and the devil brings accusations, they won't stick. Hallelujah. Don't let, don't let him pin his lies and his garbage on you. So here they are. They start breathing out all these threatenings to Peter and John. Okay. We're going to whip you and we're going to let you go. But we're warning you, don't preach anymore in that name. They didn't want to hear that name, the name of the one that they had falsely crucified. They didn't want to hear it. So they said, we're going to let you go, but don't you preach anymore in that name. But I love what happened down here in verse 13. Look at verse 13. This ought to be our testimony. Now, when they had saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Woo! One verse they're saying, don't you preach anymore in that name. The next verse, there's, they're realizing there's power in that name. And these guys know him. They've been with him. They've got something that we don't have. So we better not mess with them. So they threatened them again. And then they let them go. And this is where we want to see the prayer of Unity. Let's look on down to verse 23 here. And being let go, they went to their own company. Everybody say own company. What is your own company? Your own company are people of like-minded faith. 
Your own company is that person to your left and that person to your right. That person that loves Jesus, that person that believes the word like you believe the word. Your own company is that person that will speak good things into your life. Your own company is that person like pastor was talking about today. That person that doesn't believe bad things of you. That person that speaks right words over you. That person that puts something into you, not tear something out of you. You might be here tonight and you may not attend this church and that's great. That's fine. God bless you. But wherever you go to church, make sure that you are going to a church that puts faith into you. You want to run with winners. You want to be around people that will preach the gospel, this good news. This is not bad news. This is not negative news. This is not a negative gospel. This is a positive gospel. Find your company. Find those that, that build you up. And then stay with them. You may have heard this before. Unity is so important. Think about a bunch of bananas. The first banana to leave the bunch is the first one to get peeled. Stick with the bunch that God's connected you with. Some of you didn't like that. You don't want to be the banana that gets peeled. Stay connected with those that God has united you with. Amen. There's safety. There's power in the running with the company you're supposed to be with. So they knew that these men of God here, they had seen all these signs, all these wonderfuls, all these conversions, this man healed, but yet they'd been threatened. And the first place they went was where their own company. And they reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. Notice there in verse 14 in the King James, it says they lifted up their voice that stood out to me just today because it reminds me of what we just read in second Chronicles chapter five in second Chronicles chapter five, they were lifting up their voice to praise and worship the Lord. But this group of people are in such agreement. They're lifting up their voice, not voice us, their voice in prayer. And we're going to see what kind of results happened as a result of it. Then you can read on down verse 25 through verse 28. What they're doing is they are magnifying God. It says in verse 28, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determine therefore before to do. And that what they're doing is they're talking about God's greatness. They're not magnifying the problem. Again, the prayer meeting is not about talking about how terrible everything is, how awful everything is. Now, when we have agreement prayer, of course, you come up, you state the need, you say what's going on, but you come into agreement that it's going to change and line up with the word of God. It's not the time to talk about these weren't 
notice, they weren't talking about, ooh, the devil is mad now. Ooh, those Sadducees are really sad now. They threw us in prison. They whipped us. They did this. They did that. Ooh, whatever are we going to do? They weren't even, they didn't even talk about them hardly. They started talking about how big God is. Started rehearsing what he had done down through the ages. How he'd brought deliverance. How he'd set them free in the past. God's bigger. Did you know that? God is bigger than any problem. God's bigger than any test. God is the most high God. Oh, magnify the Lord. And let us exalt his name together. Let God be magnified. Let God be praised. Let God be magnified and let his enemies be scattered. When you start talking about how big God is, I can tell you right now, the devil is not going to stay around because he is an egomaniac and he wants you to talk about him. He's like, man, I hit them with sickness and disease this week. I, you know, somebody bumped into their car. Their dog got ran over. Their dishwasher broke. And they're not even talking about it. What's wrong with these people? I tried everything I knew. I threw everything at them, even the kitchen sink this week. And they're still not talking about me. All they're doing is talking about how great God is. All they're talking about is how God meets all their needs. All they're talking about is that Jesus is their healer. What is up with that? Well, I'll tell you what's up with that. He is the most high God. He's the one that deserves to be talked about. He's the one that deserves all of our honor, all of our glory, and all of our praise. (laughs) So when we come together and we pray, we are never going to magnify the problem. We're magnifying the answer. Jesus is the answer. I don't care how lost and how ugly your relative might be acting. Jesus is still the Savior. Jesus is still greater than any addiction. Greater than any problem. And they didn't stop with just magnifying God. But oh, I love what they did down here in verse 29. See, they knew. They knew that the devil... Was threatening them. They knew that the religious leaders were on their case. They knew they were going to have more trouble with them. But this is what they did. They didn't say, oh God, help us hold out faithful to the end. Oh Jesus, you said you were coming back. Could it be tomorrow, please? Jesus, help us, Lord. Help us, Jesus. No, this is what they said. They knew they were going to have to deal with the devil. But they said, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus they didn't cow down they didn't get afraid they said give us more 
fullness. We want to do more damage to the kingdom of the devil. Oh, God, help us in the face of difficulty, in the face of their threats. Help us to be bolder still. Hallelujah. Bolder still. And then look at verse 31. And when they had prayed, remember, they're in unity. Remember, they are lifting up their voice. And they were in such agreement. They were crying out to God for boldness. They were asking him for signs and wonders. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. There was an immediate result to their prayer. And you can see it. If you'll study it out and look over in Acts chapter 5. We won't take time to look at all of this. But what happened in Acts chapter 5 was the answer to this prayer in Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 5 verse 1 through 11 is the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Anybody remember that account? How they lied to the Holy Ghost, came into a church service, lied to the Holy Ghost about how much they'd sold this land for. First, he dropped dead. A few hours later, his wife comes in. The same lie, they had come into agreement to lie to the Holy Ghost. Man, there's some phenomenal things in that story. First of all, that service was lasting for hours and hours. Secondly, the man falls dead and nobody even goes and tells his wife. So she comes in, lies to the Holy Ghost, same thing. No, it's fine. So anyhow, what is the result there? Ananias and Sapphira... That account, you know what that is? That's a result of them praying for boldness. You think that might have been a bold thing? You think God showed up pretty bold that day? Boldness showed up on this scene. Then you look on down. Now we got to look at verse 12 of Acts chapter 5. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought. Among the people. And they were all with one accord. In Solomon's porch. So what is this? Didn't they pray in Acts chapter 4? For signs and wonders. Stretch forth your hand to heal. Let there be signs and wonders. We get one chapter later. And here they show up. The apostles by the hands of the apostles. Were many signs and wonders wrought. Among the people. Then look even at verse 16. In so much that they brought forth the sick into the streets. And laid them on beds and couches. That at the least of the shadow of Peter passing by. Might overshadow some of them. And there came also a multitude. One out of the cities round about Jerusalem. Bringing sick folks. And them which were vexed with unclean spirits. And they were healed. Everybody say it. How many were healed? Everyone. 
Every one of them that were sick. Every one of them that were possessed by evil spirits. That's another result of them praying. Lord, give us boldness. Lord, give us signs and wonders. Lord, stretch forth your hand through us. See, the devil was spitting out threatenings against them. And they didn't back down. They said, we're going to get bolder still. And I love the fact that what they did is they retaliated in the realm of the spirit. Devil, you may have threatened to throw us in jail. Well, take this. We're going to go find a bunch of people that you have possessed and cast you out of them. That's boldness. God heard and God answered this united prayer request. And he is going to do the same in our midst tonight. Now we've already laid forth some of the groundwork, some of the order, and this is just to facilitate the anointing. We're going to have a spokesperson up here. Somebody's going to have the mic. They're going to be praying about a specific topic. And when they're praying about that, You can be saying what they're saying in English, repeating what they're saying in English. You can be saying, I agree with that. Or you can be praying in tongues while they're speaking in English. You can be speaking in tongues and in your heart agreeing that this is coming to pass. The other thing that is important when we are in a group like this and lots of people are praying is to have proper prayer etiquette. You know what that is? Proper prayer etiquette is that while the person is up here speaking into the mic, others around you, they need to hear what they are praying about from the front so they can join their faith and get into agreement. Now, you might be like me. I don't think any of you would deny the fact that I'm loud. And when I lead a prayer meeting, I'm loud. They always have to pastor. If I ever have the mic and I'm leading a prayer group, I see them up on the stage. Turn it out, turn it out. But it's different. If I'm the one leading and I'm up here and have the mic, it's different. I'm supposed to be speaking out what God's putting in my heart to speak out so you can hear it and you can come into agreement. But if I'm sitting on the front row and Pastor Mike, Pastor Nancy, or somebody else has the mic and they're praying out, I'm not screaming at the top of my voice because I want to offer my supply, but I want to hear what they're saying so I can get into agreement with it. So all of you understand that prayer etiquette is very important. And I know you're going to feel the spirit when the spirit gets to moving. Some of you want to, you know, do all sorts of gyrations and scream and shout and whatever. That's okay. If you'd go over there and don't disturb anybody else. Okay. Cause we want to get on the same page in the realm of the spirit. So there'll be tremendous power available as we pray. Amen. Well, I think that we're going to pray right now.